It's days like this, I wish I had more than an hour to spend with you because there's been so much going on, we just have to rush through it to break it down. So let's get right into it. Tanner Hoops with you along with Jake Durant from Local 3. Glad that you're with us on a rainy, kind of depressing Thursday, Jake. It's not the way I wanted to get sent into my holiday. No, definitely not, but it's supposed to warm up at least, you know, around this area as far as I know. I think throughout the UP as well. Saturday's supposed to be nice, sunny, 60s. Yeah, looking forward to the weekend. So you just kind of, you know, got to get through today. It's, it's a good day, a lot of sports happening, so I have no complaints. The rain in the morning made it hard to get out of bed. You know, I, I'm one of those people that likes the sound of rain, especially when I'm trying to sleep. Right, and you know, um, I work a shift where I work mid-afternoon till pretty late at night, mm-hmm. so... Um, and I, I actually at my house, I my room is actually in our basement, so mm-hmm. I don't really get to see, you know. There's there's two windows, but I don't get to see outside. I actually have to get out of bed and go upstairs. And uh, I walked upstairs, and I'm just like, you know, oh man, I've been you know trying to get get outside and exercise a lot as well today. I just I just couldn't do it. It's just not warm enough. It's I, freezing. I was surprised how well I could hear the rain at my place because I'm on the first floor of a five story building. I could hear it pounded pretty well, and I'm one of those people that. I don't mind the sound of rain, even if it's a full-on storm. I like that kind of sound. You know, it's it's good for watching movies or good for watching a ball game or good for sleeping. That's exactly. what I wanted to do this morning, but had obligations, had adult things to do. It happens. That's uh, and that's why we're here with the sports fan on ESPN UP once again. Tanner Hoop, Jake Durant with you. It's been a lot going on over the last 24 hours. All the upsets in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. The NFL released their regular season schedule. We had NBA action last night. A giant comeback for Boston. Milwaukee holds off Detroit's upset attempt. Robert Kraft is. Sweating bullets right now, trying his darndest to keep a shameful video off the internet. Uh, oh, and uh, did you see this? Odell Beckham Jr. is at Coachella with Dak Prescott's ex-girlfriend. Oh, wow. That would have been more fun if he hadn't been traded yet. You might have to uh, dive into that topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an OBJ thing to do. Yeah. Uh, all of that going on, we're going to get to it over the next hour, but let's start with the NHL, where it just seems like everything that we thought we knew from the regular season, we need to just throw it out the window because nothing is going according to plan. The Lightning become the first ever President's Trophy winners to get swept. The Sharks, after looking pretty good in Game 1 of their series, are on the verge of elimination tonight uh the capitals with a chance to put away so to speak carolina if for some reason they were to get bounced and there goes about every storyline national tv was banking on you don't have crosby you don't have the blackhawks uh you don't have the lightning anymore so columbus has moved on as you know for the first time ever they clinch a series oh and colorado wins last night and they take a 3-1 series lead on the top seed in the western conference so now calgary is one game away from elimination. I tell you what, uh, this may be the most exciting, unpredictable Stanley Cup playoffs that I can remember. I don't remember one like this. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm not going to be invested in it because the Penguins are already out. So I'm a basketball guy now until that's done. Well, the Wings weren't even in it to begin with. So I was, <laughs> I've was. i just been kind of watching from afar. But as a fan, as a sports fan, I love parody in sports. I love David versus Goliath. And I love when, when David comes out on top. And mm-hmm. I think um, these NHL playoffs have been just absolutely just exciting to watch. I know I tuned into that last uh third period when uh, the lightning were were toppled by the columbus blue jackets but i mean it's it's it nothing surprises me in sports anymore these days mm-hmm. especially the last few years when you talk about trades happening you know teams winning um 
Cinderella stories. Any, nothing like that ever surprised me anymore just because, you know, sports is just an awesome thing. But um, I think it's a mix of, of a few things. I think, you know, sometimes teams go into these, these series, when you're talking about the NHL playoffs, you know, very confident. Obviously, the Lightning, one of the top teams in the NHL and things like that. But um, when you have a team that comes in and gains a little confidence and, you know, you fall behind, okay, you lose the first game, that's Okay, that's it happens. You know, mm-hmm. we can bounce back. That was just a fluke. You go in there and then they come out again and then they're putting the pressure on you and then you fall behind in game 2. Now you're starting to feel a little bit of that outside pressure coming in and and mentally, especially when we were you know, we were talking before we came on air, um the Lightning hadn't really played a really meaningful game in in quite mm-hmm. some time. So I mean, there's a mental thing happening as well. And and then you you get a team starting to believe like Columbus did and and want to make history. Um, you know, Anything can happen, and it was just a mix of that and a little bit of overconfidence, a little bit of confidence in the underdog team, and, and um, you know, it just so happened. I, I was more surprised that it was a sweep rather than, you know, if it went seven games and mm-hmm. I said the Lightning lose, you can you can kind of accept that. But the, the fact that it was a four-game, uh, you know, sweep was was just incredible. you got to give credit to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, your Penguins, another team that was obviously highly favored in their in their series going down as well. Um, the Sharks, I think, are behind. I think that was the yep. team last week. I said, I'm going to pick them for the Stanley Cup. Not looking good for me. Not looking good for me. But, um, yeah, like you said, the Avalanche playing well. Um, obviously, the Flames uh, down. So, I mean, I, it for me, as a as an NHL fan who's, you know, sort of tuning in, not really, you know, I'm not emotionally attached to any of these teams. It's It's been fun to watch. I like to see these big teams go down. I'd like to think that what we're seeing has something to do with lack of meaningful games because the Lightning are out, top seed overall. Calgary, top seed in the Western Conference, down 3-1 after losing in overtime last night. Miko Rontanen with the winner for Colorado. I'd like to think lack of meaningful games might play into that a little bit. But then the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of challenged that theory because they get swept. They didn't clinch until the final week of the playoffs, or the regular season. They didn't clinch a spot in the playoffs. I don't know what it is or if it's the matchup and then you look at the way that some of these series have gone compared to how they started Pittsburgh was in overtime in game one and they just got outplayed the rest of the series you think maybe if they could have gotten a winner in overtime and won that first game how different the series might look Tampa Bay they scored a couple of minutes into game one shorthanded and they just got dominated the rest of the way San Jose won game one against Vegas, and Vegas has won three straight. They have a chance to win the series tonight. Calgary won their first game against uh, Colorado, and now the Avalanche have won three straight. Despite some quality starts, here they are regressing mm-hmm. after that. I don't know what it is. I can't begin to explain it, uh, but that that's the beauty of it. And Thankfully, we do have a few really competitive series like uh, Boston evening things up against Toronto last night with a 6-4 win. They're tied 2-2. Two two. I didn't see Dallas dominating Nashville in any game this year, but they're in a 2-2 series. So there have been some, you know, not great games, but they've entertained us because who's supposed to win usually hasn't been the team that's been winning. So while there's a few games that are back and forth, a few series that might go 6 or 7, we're still entertained despite the lack of compelling games because of the compelling storylines exactly and i think just an you know a casual nhl fan would rather see upsets you know than things going 
um, the way they, they should go. And, and to your point, I think it's just a mix of things. I think obviously in some of these series, momentum has a lot of, to do with it because in sports when a team has momentum and, like I said, a confidence you know, they, they get in the zone and, and, you know, it's like a well-oiled machine. I think the lightning going up three goals to zero and then, you know, losing that game. I think that was just kind of just a a heartbreaker for them. You know, that was something that they just couldn't recover from. Um, and and then some of these, some of these series, I I do think it's just matchups, you know, some teams just have the better matchup and their strengths are, uh, toppling, you know, the, opponent's weaknesses. So I think it's, it's a mix of things. You can't really pinpoint it. So just one thing, and then I just think it's the parity of the NHL right now. I just think, you know, teams are a lot closer than they than it might seem. And I think once you're in a tournament, once you're in the postseason, everything goes out the window. You know, it's it's not how you got there. It's what you do when you're there. And I just think you see teams taking advantage of their opportunities right now. A week ago, you and I were where we are now, in the studio, sitting in the same chairs, what have you. We were talking about the Frozen Four because that dropped the puck almost a week ago exactly right now. And one of the biggest storylines from college hockey has suddenly become one of the biggest storylines in pro hockey. And I'm talking about Kale McCarr, a defenseman who played for UMass last week. He won the Hobie Baker Award on Friday, finishes national runner-ups. Uh, they fall to Duluth in the national title game. And he immediately makes a transition to the pros, scores in his first period. So Kale McCarr with the Colorado Avalanche. You and I have said it before. I don't hate it. I just feel like, what am I doing with my life when someone younger than me is doing stuff like that? And he's 20 years old, just played in the college national championship, and less than a week later scores his first NHL goal. He is just the fifth player all time to play in both the Frozen Four and the Stanley Cup playoffs in the same year. And he joined some pretty good company. Uh, Rod Brindamore, the former Michigan State Spartan, then played with the St. Louis Blues in 89, right now the head coach of the Hurricanes. Uh, John Bice from Wisconsin, played with the Bruins in 1990. Jeff Farkas played with Boston College and the Maple Leafs in 2000. Chris Kreider with Boston College and the Rangers in 2012. And Kale McCarr this year. So kind of uncharted territory, but... He was playing against Denver last week in the national semifinals. He's playing in Denver. He's living out of a hotel in Denver this week for the Avalanche. I mean, what a story that is. Obviously, he joins some great company, but can you just imagine playing in like one of the bigger college hockey games probably of your career and then, you know, you blink and now you're in an NHL, you know, postseason game. I mean, just talk about kind of just grabbing it and, and just going with it. Obviously a very talented player, able to, to be productive and, and help the team out in that game. So, I mean, like you said, man, as I get older, I kind of kind of compare my life and my age to that of a sports career. And right now I'm in the prime of my sporting career. I may be considered old in some sports, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that these, these generally – I see them as, as kids almost now. Um, doing these amazing things, and, and it's just great to see um, when someone takes advantage of the opportunity You know, to just roll with it and, and take advantage of it. Tigers are up 9-7 as they go to the top of the ninth inning against Chicago, and we'll keep monitoring that one at Shane Green time. And uh, Adam Hammery is the home plate umpire for that game. Marquette native making it big time, mm-hmm. but uh, well, we'll keep an eye on the Tigers as they're three outs away from a victory on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, before we go to break, NFL schedule was released last night. Regular season, it's going to give us some pretty good matchups. 
Browns in two Monday night football games after being in two in the last 10 years. Uh, Baker Mayfield goes up against Sam Darnold in one of them. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, the Cleveland Browns all of a sudden are are must-watch TV, obviously. Mm -hmm. I feel like towards the end of last season even, I was intrigued by by the team just because of of really Baker Mayfield I think you know I've said it before if I had to start a team and and, and I had to pick a quarterback Baker Mayfield for me would be it just because of what he brings obviously he's a younger guy um, I just love his confidence his swagger you know he's he's a leader He's jumped around, you know, in his college career and been able to go into to new locker rooms and really assert himself as a leader and and you know work uh, those relationships with teammates and, and and lead teams and and now you add a guy like uh, Odell Beckham Jr. who obviously coming from New York was almost I would say the face of the NFL at, at points, mm-hmm. um, especially after that that catch he had early on in his career against Dallas. Um, you know he he gobbles up the storylines as well you got Jarvis Landry you know those two uh, teammates in college so that I mean they're must see TV obviously and then you have just the history of them being so bad you kind of want to see them you know you're kind of rooting for them to do good and then man the Jets they're another team up and coming Sam Darnold um, you know it's just going to be a battle of like kind of those next gen, next gen quarterbacks and I'm sure both of those guys want to one-up each other early on in their careers the Jets are in a weird place because they got a lot better this offseason. They probably were the team that finished last in their division last year. That improved the most over the course of the offseason. But if you were to ask me who's going to go from, or who's the most likely to go from worst to first in their division, they're still in a division with New England. So I don't think the Jets would be the answer. No, I don't think so either. I think if you look at New England's schedule, I think, man, they have a pretty easy schedule. Per usual. Uh, per usual. Uh, you know, who knows? The, the the division they're in, not very tough, obviously. Uh, Miami, they don't really have a quarterback under center. They're kind of in complete rebuild. Um, Buffalo, and you know, whatever. They don't have a quarterback um, either. Obviously, it's going to be between, yeah, it's going to be, glorified be, be between back. the Jets and, and the Patriots. I like what the Jets did, though, man. You know, they had a lot of money coming in the offseason, coming into the offseason, and they weren't afraid to spend that money. If they could have got Anthony Barr, and then you're talking about a top three pick, yeah. um, who it's most likely going to be a defensive player. I mean, that defense is going to be pretty scary. Um, and then, obviously, you get Le'Veon Bell. You got Sam Darnold hopefully going to take that next, that jump. Their receiving cores, eh. Their secondary is eh, mm. you know, but the defensive line's pretty stout. I mean, they have they they are on the upswing. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win some games. Will they beat New England? Based on just New England's history and obviously with all the great things they've accomplished, and now that schedule it's one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. It's going to be tough. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Before we go to break, I didn't want to get too far away from hockey, but the 2019 U.S. Men's National roster, the preliminary cuts have been announced and uh, as of right now this is who will be representing the United States next month at the World Championships in Slovakia. The forwards Alex Dabrinkat, Jack Eichel, Luke Glendening, Clayton Keller, Chris Kreider, Dylan Larkin, James Van Riemsdyk, Frank Vetrano, and Colin White with Patrick Kane captaining the team. Defensively Quinn Hughes, Alec Martinez, Brady Shea, and Ryan Suter. In net Corey Schneider, Thatcher Demko and Caden Primo. Again, players are going to be added once we find out who's available. That's why I don't like about this tournament. You know, they have something really cool that you can get everyone to get. I love international hockey tournaments, but why do it in May when the conference finals are still going on and a bunch of the best players in the world aren't going to come play in it? You know, they're going to be busy contending for the cup. It's bad scheduling. I don't like that. 
Uh, there is a significant player who's going to be skipping that tournament that I've got planned for later on in the show. Uh, but for right now, we owe you a timeout. When we come back, Robert Kraft doing his darndest to try and keep his sketchy video out of the public eye. Plus, NFL Draft is one week away. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back, Danner Hoops. Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're with us on ESPN UP on your Thursday afternoon. Robert Kraft has got to be sweating through his million dollar silk suit right now. Could you imagine being in that spot? I don't feel a bit sorry for him, but could you imagine uh, that you have this alleged video that's out there? He's still maintaining that nothing oh, it, happened. It's out there. And he's maintaining that it's not what we think it is. We all know it is, but to know what happened in the Orchards of Asia and to actually be able to see it, I'm not planning on watching the video, but you know that somebody will. Are a two lot of completely people, different things. A lot. Of, if that hits the internet, a lot of people are going to be watching that. Yeah, video. I, I won't be one of them. But uh, but man, can you imagine being in that spot right now? And he is doing everything he can, hiring the best lawyers money can buy, do anything to stop this from being entered into public record, which they were planning on doing yesterday afternoon, and then a late juncture filed by his legal team blocked it from happening. We don't know if that's going to hold, though. I mean, could you just imagine? what what's going through his mind right now and I don't feel sorry for him I just I couldn't imagine that feeling right now no I, I definitely would not want to imagine that um and and obviously the the key word you said there is money he does mm. he's gonna have the best lawyers the best you know team behind him so will this ever get publicly you know viewed uh I don't know um, obviously, I do think it, it violates his privacy rights, and they could obviously affect a trial if that's where this thing goes. And, and from what I he- I'm hearing, there's another person who um, wasn't charged with anything but was at the spa who you know thinks that they have tape of him, and he's asking for it not to be released as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's more than just him obviously going after this footage. It's hard for me to even say anything on this because, I, I mean – Obviously, he's guilty. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was illegally obtained. So, I don't know. It's it's really hard. I just know it, it's a bad situation. It, it's it's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing for his family. Um, and I just hope they, this can just get figured out soon. I'm, I'm honestly tired of hearing about it. I've talked about it before, and I said that this was the dangerous game. This was the dangerous line that Robert Kraft was going to walk, was that this – video was probably illegally obtained and that's why the DA offered him the deal that he did. They'll drop the charges if he admits to uh, that he would have been caught in a court of law. He goes through a few classes, rehabilitation or what have you. He called the DA's bluff. He knew they didn't have enough to take him to trial and he said, that's fine. You know, if the worst you can do to me is enter this video into public evidence, he was willing to make that trade at one point or at least willing to take the risk that they might enter it into public evidence. Well, now they're going to do it. I mean, if they can't take him to trial, then they are going to to do this, for you know, to humiliate him, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I just, I don't know what he's possibly feeling right now or how he's, <laughs> I just couldn't imagine him there on the phone, angrily talking to his law team, uh, sweating everywhere, having a hard time staying dry. 
uh, you're right. I'm ready for this to all get over because this is disgusting and greasy. It's hard to not put that image in your head. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's not, it's not great <laughs> for those out there, you know, driving, doing what the, you know, just, just focus on the road right now. Don't think about that. Uh, he has that to worry about instead of the draft coming up one week from tonight. I know you're a huge fan of the draft and I'm a big fan of this one, probably more than a lot. I don't know that I've been this excited for a draft since Johnny Manziel was up for one, you know, because I just wanted to see where he'd land back in 2014. This year, though, is going to be a lot of fun to see how things work out for everybody. And we're still a week out. The Cardinals say, you know, they haven't made a decision at number one overall. I think they have, and they're looking for reasons to talk themselves out of it. Mm -hmm. They're trying to poke every hole, whatever, in this theory of why they should or shouldn't take Kyler Murray. They did release their hype video today, and Josh Rosen was in it, so I don't know what that tells you. But I think that was the second video they released. Is it? Okay. From what I was hearing. So, um, they, so And he was not in the video the first time. Okay, all right. So they've got one for whichever route they decide to go. We'll know exactly. here in about a week. Covering all bases. I, I mean, I agree with you. This is one of the better drafts. Um, early on when I was looking at all the prospects coming out, I wasn't too hype on it because there wasn't anything – you know, any really players jumping out at me. But as you go through it and you start looking at all these mocks and you start doing your own research, this is a really deep draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a lot of good players, uh, you know, in, in the middle rounds that you can possibly pick up and they can definitely help your team. Um, I think the X factor in this draft is, is like you said, the Josh Rosen situa situation. What's going to happen? Not only do you have the quarterbacks in the draft that, you know, are available, but, I mean, you could see a huge trade that could really shake up the whole draft. Um, prior to it even starting or right there, you know, with the first pick. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, with these mock drafts, there's going to be teams trading up. There's going to be some, you know, surprising picks and things like that. I think that's what makes it so so fun to watch because there's going to be a player that's going to move up into the first round that you would have never expected um, or never even heard these analysts talk about during the whole process. and. And then you're going to obviously see your favorite teams and things get some new players that you, you hope will come in and help help your team. I think that's the best thing um, you know, about it is you're getting players that are going to be with your organization, uh, that you're uh, a fan of a team, um, going to be with the organization, and, and you're going to watch them kind of butt into hopefully superstars. That's what every team's trying to get, get at. And you're going to just see teams you know, um, – make moves that are going to help their future and really shape what the season is going to be. So um, with Green Bay, I'm really hoping they take, you know, two offensive weapons. I need, I need, I need weapons. That's what I want. And I'm hoping it's a tight end. I'd like the TJ Hawkinson pick. I just don't know if he's going to be there. He's moving into like top 10 territory yeah. just because he's a versatile, versatile player. He can block um, and things like that. I think they would, it would be a perfect fit for Green Bay because obviously they're going to try to run the ball. If you can have a blocking tight end that can also run and catch, obviously that's, that's huge. And then, you know, one of those wide receivers with that 30th pick, I think that would be great. You need to get Aaron Rodgers weapons and, and, and things like that. Detroit could get an edge rusher, but I see them maybe moving down a couple of picks and, and you know, getting some more value for their pick and picking up a, a couple more picks in the middle rounds. I have no idea where Dwayne Haskins is going to go. Some days the Giants are in on him. Some days they're not. You can't believe anything that a team says nowadays. Like, they will bury information. They'll lie, try and get you off their trail, what have you. The rumor is that the Giants are hoping to pass on Haskins and take Daniel Jones from Duke. And I don't know if that's true or not. I do like Daniel Jones, but 
not more than Dwayne Haskins. Drew Locke from Missouri, I think, is going to go higher than people thought. Uh, Ryan Finley, he is going to go higher than I think a lot of people thought. I don't think he's going to be that high, but he'll be higher than projected. I'm really excited to see where Tyree Jackson from Buffalo goes because he's got a cannon of an arm, albeit not a very accurate one. But he's six foot seven. He's massive. And you can't tell me there's somebody who's going to pass on him, even if it's the second day of the draft, because uh, there's promise, there's potential there. There's even if it's not at a quarterback position, you know, he can be a project of sorts. Mm-hmm. And you're always looking for those type of players in in the middle and late rounds. Uh, you know. Somebody who has maybe the physical tools, but you know needs to kind of sharpen up the skill sets and things like that. Um, like you said, you can't teach six seven in a rocket arm. Um, that's very unique, and um, you know a team will take a chance, try to bring him in and have him sit maybe for a few years and just learn the game and and just get better. And who knows, potentially he could come in and and be a good player. I do like Daniel Jones. I like Drew Locke, man. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Drew Locke fan. Um, just watching. Some of his highlights and things, he, he has a really accurate arm. Um, it's not the strongest arm, but he can put the ball in, in places. Daniel Jones is another guy that is really accurate, can really make like those fade throws and things like that and really pinpoint it. He has a cannon too, Daniel Jones does. Um, last year we've seen these quarterbacks pan out. I don't feel as strongly about this group um, coming into this year. Do I think Drew Locke can come in and start and have an impact? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Dwayne Haskins, maybe. But I, I just don't see it with this group. I don't know. I would. I, these I'm more. I'm more. I would be more focused on trying to get Josh Rosen. To be honest with you. Well, then that's what a lot of people have thought that the Washington Redskins should pursue because right now Case Keenum is slated to be the starting quarterback. A lot of people say that Redskins need to put together some kind of offer and bring in Josh Rosen. And the Redskins have made it very clear that their quarterback of the future is still in college right now. Whether they're going to draft him next week or it's going to be next year later on, they are committed to getting a quarterback out of college. I, I'm assuming they'll take one this year. They're drafting middle of the pack in the first round. Uh, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, even Finley. I think that'd be a little high for Finley. A lot of those guys are still going to be there, and if the Giants don't get Haskins, there's nobody who's really in the market for a quarterback until you get to maybe 10, 11, that territory. So maybe Dwayne Haskins could slip there. Yeah, that's very po- you know very possible. And what I'm hearing and the trend is is a lot of teams aren't as high on Dwayne Haskins. So you know to kind of see him fall into that first round, I I agree. Like that could be very possible. Um, and if you can pick him up in the middle of that round, I think that's good. You know, there's good value because you're not really taking him with a top ten pick. Um, for me, man, I just think next year's group, especially those top guys, are stronger. I think that, you know they're impact players, and obviously. Um, there's going to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence um, in two years, um, which is is what I was thinking when this whole Russell Wilson debacle started happening. I was thinking maybe mm-hmm. Seattle's just like, you know what? All these top quarterbacks making money aren't making the playoffs. Their teams are being hurt by it. Let's just move on from Russell Wilson. I know it sounds crazy. Move on from Russell. Get a bunch of picks. Start building up the offensive and defense, and then you know maybe shoot for like Trevor Lawrence to step right in, take that group, and start you know another four or five year run of dominance. I thought that was a pretty good plan. I don't know. Let me give you some teams that are in the market for a quarterback. Presumably, they're going to be drafting a quarterback this year. They would like to, if available. Tell me if they're a team that should be drafting this year. They should wait to next year, or what their plan should be. Uh, primarily, do they draft this this year, or do they wait 
and tank for Tua next year? Or do they wait two years and tank for Trevor? Uh, firstly, the New York Giants. I don't think they should they should take a, a quarterback this season. I think they should just double down on defense. New York, New York, anytime they've had a lot of great success, they've had dominant defenses. There's an organization that, you know, thrives when you have a nice defensive line, you know, can get to the quarterback, and then, you know, their offense can just do enough. Um, you're obviously committed to Eli one more year. I think I think you, you just wait. I think you wait it out. Denver. Because they did get Flacco, but should they invest should in somebody they? younger? I don't know, man. They've, they've swung and missed so many times. Mm-hmm. Paxton Lynch is a name that pops into my head. Um, yeah, Simeon. You know, John Elway just, I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't know how to draft draft these quarterbacks. I think they got a good thing with Flacco. Um, and like I said, these guys are also questions coming in. I think they should wait too. Washington. Washington's in a situation where they really have just nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they should they should consider. I, I could see like a Dwayne Haskins going to Washington. I think they, you know, if they wanted to draft a quarterback – you know, obviously, with the injury of Alex Smith, who knows what he what's going to happen? I think why well, they got Case Keenum there now. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be in a better position to just try to get somebody and and see what they got this year. Lastly, Cincinnati, you stick it out one more year with Andy Dalton. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, they got a nice pick. I think what their pick eleven. Mm-hmm. I think they you know keep the pick. Um, Andy Dalton's just, he's so inconsistent. He can yeah. be really good, but he's really bad. Um, could they pick? You know, I could see them maybe trying to get a quarterback, maybe, maybe a Drew Locke mm-hmm. early on. I think they're one of those teams that you know. Either way, I think you might be able. You might see them get a quarterback. Maybe Drew Locke will go there. It's about as close as we'll get to college football talk for today. But my stat of the day revolves around college football, so I'm going to throw it in now before the break. Last night, ESPN's college football playoff predictor came out with the projected field of four for this year's college football playoff. You ready for this? I'm ready. Number one, Clemson. Number two, Bama. Number three, Georgia. In the four spot, your Wolverines. They have the Wolverines as a playoff team. So that's the early uh, projections. The first two out, LSU and Oklahoma. So those are the top six, according to the college football playoff projector we have here at ESPN. The next three, the 7-8-9 group, the sleepers, Notre Dame, Oregon, Florida. A little surprised Oregon's that high. Yeah. Um, The thing I'm seeing, all these teams have quarterbacks that have been through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, veteran guys that are going to be able to lead the team. Um, and, and good defenses. Clemson, that, I mean, obviously they have players coming in, but they're losing so much. Mm-hmm. All these teams actually are, are losing a lot, but obviously Bama's always been able to bounce back. Um, Wolverines at four, am I surprised? I'm going to say I'm pretty surprised, actually. I mean, I, I knew, I, I feel like they're a top 10 team. Um, obviously, you got you got weapons coming back with the quarterback. Um, got to figure out some running backs. You know, their defensive is losing some pieces, but for the most part, I feel like they got a strong team coming back. LSU, LSU's always good. Why yeah. not? Um, Oklahoma, they're going to have Hurts, uh, um, Jalen Hurts coming in. I think he's, he might be a Heisman candidate, so I mm-hmm. think you know that's a good pick too. That four spot, you really can kind of you know put anyone in. It's pretty interchangeable when you talk about four through maybe eight. Tell you what, the Tigers did go final. They beat the White Sox 9-7, so the Tigers into the win column as they are back to 500 at 9 and 9. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, the man who won not quite the lottery, but pretty close to it, 
when he placed a bet on Tiger Woods in the greatest comeback in the history of the Masters. Turns out it's not the first time he's done something like this. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're with us. Here is your Sports Center update. The NFL regular season schedule was released last night. The New York Jets will travel a total of 6,788 miles this season. That is the fewest of any team in the NFL. The farthest west they have to go is Cincinnati. It's going to be a pretty compact schedule for the Jets. Conversely, the Raiders will have to travel more than any other team this year. They are going 3,500,000. Uh, did I read that right? 35,000. There we go. That seemed tight to me. 35,355 miles, including one trip to London. And they have the toughest strength of schedule in the NFL based on last year's win totals. Sidney Crosby has announced that he will skip next month's Men's Hockey World Championship in Slovakia. Instead, he is opting for some extra rest. He's made a couple of cup runs since 2015. That was the longest offseason he's had since. Uh, and again, why have that in May? You know, it just doesn't make sense. And finally, a naked man was caught on camera burglarizing a concession stand at a Little League baseball complex in Florida. A surveillance camera showed the burglar wearing nothing but a baseball hat and gloves, breaking into a concession stand at 4 in the morning and stealing $250 in cash and a handful of hot dogs. The suspect has not been caught at this time. Isn't Florida, Florida great? I was about to say, Florida is just a weird state. They there was something going giving. right. There was something going on on social media where you you know you type in your your birth date or something <laughs> in Florida, you a Google man in Florida, Florida man and your birthday, and you see what news pops up. And there's one for like every some ridiculous mm. story every single day. Florida is the gift that keeps on like four in the morning. You choose to get naked and break into a little league concession. I think I'm glad I didn't do that four in the afternoon when kids are probably playing. Cause then you've got a bunch of other charges on your hands, but, but he chooses to, is that worth it for $250 and hot dogs? For some, it might be <laughs> for some, it might be um, four in the morning, man. I think we all can kind of understand what's probably been going on in that dude's evening i mean four in the morning nothing's good is happening at four in the morning that's all i gotta say i was either gonna do that one i think this one happened in florida too and i chose that story over the man who was high on bath salts and he took a gun he was shooting at what he believed to be alien lasers so he was shooting a gun in the night sky turned out to be fireflies First of all, why are bath salts still a thing? I mean, anyone who with the right mind and have seen, like, remember when bath, bath salts were actually, like, a thing people yep. were doing? It never ends well, and you usually end up, like, eating each other. So you need to stop that doing the bath salts. That's what I mean. Like, who, who goes one night, it's like, I'm going to do these bath salts and just hope for the best. Like, it just doesn't sound fun. It does not sound fun to me, man. Don't do, don't do drugs, everybody. It's bad. I tell you what, a Wisconsin man... Uh, made it big this week. Jane Zadushi, a 39-year-old from Wisconsin, placed an $85,000 bet on Tiger Woods. And how much do you think he was sweating on day one, day two, and then Tiger with the biggest comeback in the history of the Masters? And he's a big winner. Mr. Aducey's a big winner. And it turns out this isn't the first time that he has won on a large wager. He was in massive debt, apparently, before winning his bet on Sunday, which leads me to believe that He's not going to manage his this, money this, well. This is not going to end well for this guy. But this was the first time that he had a successful 
uh, lucrative sports bet. This is the first time that he bet on sports. He made news, breaking in cash, 16 years ago. Back in 2003, he placed a bet, and that was the first time he won big. And again, squandered it, ended up going into debt. Back in 2003, he bet on Arnold Schwarzenegger winning the governorship of California. Wow. He bet on Governor Terminator to take it, and <laughs> he decides to go to sports gambling after getting in debt and bets on Tiger Woods and wins. I don't know, man. This win, this win could be a curse in disguise for this guy. Um, you know, there's a thing called being addicted to gambling, and mm-hmm. if you're blowing that much money in debt and still making all these these decisions to just t- continually throw down big amounts of money, I mean, it's nice you won, dude, but mm-hmm. you got to get it together because it's, no matter what, the end end game is not looking too too good for you. I love how it's 2019 and we all have our own roles. Like you have men stealing hot dogs and naked in Florida and you've got guys betting on governorships and golf. And we all have our roles that we do in this day and age. We all just do a bang up job. Uh, I tell you what. I want to ask one question. Can you just bet on like any, like I'm not a, a, a bet. I don't bet, but can you just bet on anything? Like what, what are the rules? Like you can just bet on Schwarzenegger you know, I, yeah, I think if you have a bookie, then uh, I, I think so. I, you can just bet on anything. I think so. Mm-hmm. There's someone who will bet or take a bet on something, from what it sounds like. Wow. Uh, so he strikes it big. He, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. I'm excited to see how it uh, how it works out. I'm, I'm going to expect him to throw down a million on something something <laughs> crazy here in the next couple weeks. I bet uh, this won't be the last time we see him in the news. I'm breaking right. one way or another. Uh, let's take our last time out a little bit early because we got a lot we can get to in the next segment with the NBA playoffs. Break down last night, a uh, big night in the NBA, and we'll break down tonight's matchup. Some big ones coming up, and that's coming up next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're with us on this Thursday afternoon as we get set to end the workday, wind down to the 5 o'clock hour. Well, the Detroit Pistons gave it the old college try last night. They tried their darndest and put a pretty good effort with uh, Milwaukee. Actually had a one-point lead at halftime. Bucks are just that good of a team, and when you're missing a guy like Blake Griffin, I just don't know. I just don't think they can get it done without Blake. They've got to get him back at some point. And with the series shifting to Detroit, I mean, needless to say, they have to split to keep the series alive, to keep their season alive. In all likelihood, if they do want to have a shot, they, A, got to get Blake back, and they're going to have to sweep both games three and four in Detroit as the Bucks took game two, 120-99 last night. Yeah, so I don't think that's going to happen. No. I mean, I'm just going to I'm just going to throw it out there, especially without Blake Griffin. Even with Blake Griffin, I didn't think Detroit had a really great chance. Obviously, Milwaukee, just a very good team. Milwaukee's depth has been real depth has been really really impressive. Guys like Sterling Brown stepping up and and you know upping his averages all across the board. Um, towards the end of the season, since Malcolm Brogdon's been out, the uh, Pat Connaughton. Uh, has been shooting lights out, you know, been really doing a good job. Um, Detroit gave it a really good effort, obviously, coming in and, and playing tough. But guys just like Giannis and, and guys like that, I mean, they're just they're the X factor. Um, when, you're, when you don't have your leader on the floor with Detroit, 
and and you know you're playing in a hostile environment and, and things can get out of hand very quickly and I just think this is a classic case of, of Milwaukee just being the better overall team with the most depth and Detroit unable to put together a full game or when falling behind it's hard for them to put out the offensive output to get back into a game especially when you're talking about Milwaukee who has so many options I mean you have five six guys that can really hurt you on any night and just go off and I just I think that's what makes Milwaukee so tough is just the balance they have and they have one of the best players in the league top three player in the league in Giannis it's, it's tough the Bucks are a team that I think if you ask a lot of Bucks fans you know they're happy they won but they would tell you that last night made them pretty nervous you know they don't feel good confident like they did after the game one win even though they scored 121 in game one they scored 120 last night it still didn't feel like the dominant victory that they were hoping for or expecting or what they needed to feel encouraged going forward maybe that's because of the defensive end Chris Middleton said it the other night after the game had his comments in the sports pen Monday their defense has been inconsistent at times it's been suspect before it was really good Monday wasn't as good last night where they allow 99 uh, against a team that didn't have Blake Griffin, obviously. Uh, so it wasn't the resounding thumping that they delivered Sunday night in Milwaukee. How worried should the Bucks be after their performance last night? I mean, they still win by 21, and they take a 2 nothing lead in the series, but how much worried should they be based on what you've seen in the first two? I mean, it's definitely something that they have to obviously look at and try to figure out, especially when you're talking about moving on and facing some tougher teams that you know you're going to be in battles with um you know they got the job done i think when you're this early on the playoffs or the top seed you know do whatever it takes to win obviously everything's not going to be clicking all the time um where you're talking about offense defense and everything like this and players just hot that's not going to be the, the the issue every single time so um you know they got the win obviously defense every team has some something that they need to work on no team is perfect um, and I just think it's it's really just like an effort thing. Um, I do th- I expect Milwaukee to to go into Detroit. Who knows? They they could be smelling blood right now and want to go into Detroit, take Game Three, and really just kind of take the will of Detroit, um, and just maybe get get done with this series early. I think that would be a something that that they would have a goal to do. But um, defensively, it's a big part of the game. You want to focus and you want to try to get more consistent, and that's just going to be coaching and and guys really just buying in and and trying to put an effort and consistency um, going forward. Last night, the Celtics erase an 11-point fourth-quarter deficit. They uh, end the game on a 29-9 run, and they win 99-91. 37 for Kyrie Irving really shows how valuable he would be in the free agent market. And the Celtics, as happy as they are about his performance, might be a little nervous that maybe he could walk. Uh, impressive though for Boston to come from behind like they did, take a two nothing lead as the series shifts to Indy, and then Houston looking like they are going to blow out Utah in four games with what we're seeing. Utah prides themselves on defense, and they haven't played much of it here in these first two games of that series. Yeah, I mean Houston's one of those, or excuse me, Utah's one of those teams. Are I'm, you know, they kind of just they aren't playing to what I expected them to. You know, they're kind of disappointing. Obviously, Houston's a really good team. I think they're on a collision course with with Golden State and they're either them or Golden State's going to come out of the West obviously um so I mean yeah you they're gonna have to figure something out because when you're facing a team like Houston if you go in and obviously lose game three chances are you're not going to come back with the Celtics I mean still as a as a Celtics supporter I guess you can say um 
I feel like they should be more than what they are. Even you know, with Kyrie having a good night, it's just, mm-hmm. there's just something there that's just not right to me. They shouldn't be struggling they like that be... against an Oladipo less pacer. Exa- exactly. You know, it's 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 the series is is too too tough to me in in the eyes. If you're you know, it shouldn't be this hard. Um, especially when you're talking about you thought you were going to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, Indiana's a scrappy group. Don't get me wrong. They you know they play hard. They got a lot of guys who who are you know guys that you know high effort guys. So you know maybe it's just a fact that you know Indy's really playing hard against them. But I just don't. I, there's something about that Boston team I just don't like. Kyrie playing the way he he should be playing, the way he's been playing his whole career. Uh, that's no surprise to me. But as a Celtics fan, you got to feel really uneasy even with the victory last night. Uh, you look at the three games tonight, and there are three game threes. All of them are in 1-1 series. You have Philadelphia at Brooklyn, 8 o'clock game. Denver visiting San Antonio at 9. Then at 10.30, the Warriors take on the Clippers. Let's start with Philly and Brooklyn. Uh, the Nets punch Philly in the mouth, and it really wasn't, it wasn't close. Uh, much different than the 9-point difference would indicate. And then Philly does the same to Brooklyn in Game 2 to even up the series as they head to New Jersey, uh, the New Jersey area this evening. Um, how many years has it been? And I'm still making the mistake. New Jersey Nets, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, either way, what do we expect from Game 3 tonight? Or do we expect to not have any of our predictions come true with it? Because that's about where I'm getting to with this this series. Right. I said last week if there's going to be an upset in the East, I think it would be Brooklyn over Philly. Philly has some stuff going on in the locker room, surprise, surprise, mm. with Embiid and, and Simmons. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, people are saying, like, Simmons isn't as good. You know, he's a liability, et cetera, et cetera. Going back to Brooklyn, I think I think Brooklyn's going to handle it tonight. Mm. I think they're going to I think they're going to go in in front of their home crowd. Obviously, it's been a while since they had a playoff game there. Um, they're just an underrated group of guys. They're kind of like indie a little bit. Just a, a lot of guys that play hard, you know, give it a hundred percent. And you're going up against a Philly team, and B doesn't play hard all the time. Simmons floats around sometimes. Jimmy Butler is inconsistent at times. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to definitely be the tell-all game for how the series is probably going to go. Obviously, with a lot of question marks at Philly, you expect them to come out and really want to put a statement down saying, you know, we're the dominant team here, we're the better team here. And with Brooklyn, you know, you could, if you can sneak out a win, I mean, that's putting pressure right on Philly. Um, there's another team that has a lot of great players in, in, in the Sixers. They just haven't been able to, to get over that hump. Will this be the year? I don't know. Brooklyn really plays defense really well. They don't get enough credit for that, but they defend extremely well. This would be a good poll question. Did you know who Joe Harris was before the beginning of this season? Because that guy, he can shoot the ball. Yeah, I mean, and that's how this team was constructed. A lot of guys that, you know, you didn't really know coming out, you know, whether it be out out of college or when they they got uh, picked up by, by the Nets. But it's a lot of good coaching. A lot of, like I said, guys that started their career somewhere else and Kind of were kind of tossed away, especially when you talk about D'Angelo Russell and guys like that. Um, but it's it's been impressive just how uh, the Nets have been able to construct a roster with the guys they have. Other than D'Angelo Russell, it's a bunch of basically no names. 
doing it against a team in Philly who has potentially three all-stars. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. Nuggets at the Spurs tonight. The Nuggets are a team that looked like they didn't know how to close out a close game earlier in this series, and then they bounced back with a win. They had to come from behind and do it, and they looked like they matured quite a bit in that three-day span. Now they're in San Antonio tonight, a crowd that's very much accustomed to playoffs and playoff success, and they have a coaching staff and a roster that reflects that as well. How do you see this one going? This one's tough, man. This one's tough. Like you said, a uh, couple sketchy games early on. Jamal Murray had to do, do something miraculous. He's done a few times to uh, get the Nuggets that W in Game 2. It's hard to go against Greg Popovich. I know, obviously, they're moved on to the next era there. Um, but I, I do like what they, how they play and things. And at home, it's tough. You're still dealing with a relatively young Nuggets team. This is a good series for the Nuggets to kind of, you know, learn and, and gain some experience. I think I think San Antonio is going to win tonight in front of the home crowd. I just think that home home court advantage is is going to be be huge. And man, the Spurs golden opportunity missed. Obviously, letting that that second game slip away, that could have really put a lot of pressure on Denver. Obviously, if they went down um, in that game too. So I I do think Greg Popovich will have his team ready. I think the Spurs win it. You've got Golden State, the defending champs, trying to get back in the win column this evening against the Clippers. It's going to tip off at 1030. I'm not going to stay up that late and watch it. So if I miss another 31-point comeback, so be it. That was the biggest storyline from a couple of nights ago, the other being DeMarcus Cousins' likely season-ending injury. Here's what I feel like could happen. You know, Boogie took the pay cut to come to Golden State so that he could get a ring. He wanted to solidify a starting lineup that features potentially five all-NBA guys. And they knew they weren't going to get him until the second half of the year and likely during the playoffs. Well, now his season's done. You know, if they win the ring, will he feel like that he was a big part of that? Will he feel like uh, his legacy will be remembered as being somebody who helped the Warriors win a ring? I'm not sure that he's going to feel like that, which makes me think, you know, he came here just for that ring. He'll... Next season is all about being a free agent who wants the big contract. This season was about getting the ring. Maybe that means he's coming back to Golden State this year. I mean, I would, I would have to agree. I mean, if you're a team and he hits free agency, I'm not, I'm not sold on his health. Yeah. Obviously, with two major injuries that ended his season prematurely the last couple of years, I'm not giving him super big money. So why not go back to maybe on a you know like a one year and and just be in the mix when you talk about playoffs and championships. I mean, if you're signing these one-year deals, you might as well sign with a team that has a shot at, at a ring. Mm -hmm. I do expect Golden State to come out tonight and blow, uh, have a, like a blowout victory over the Clippers. Mm -hmm. I do expect that. I think now they're, I think they've woken up a sleeping giant there. So I do think that. Um, but I do agree with you. I think the chances of him coming back are a lot, a lot higher. And it could be a good thing for Golden State. I mean, to have a player like that. But again, like you mentioned, how many teams are going to be willing to take a chance on giving Boogie big money? Because, you know, he came on the one-year pay cut contract so that he could win a ring. This season, this offseason, was supposed to be about getting the big money contract. How many teams are going to be willing to do that? You know, you brought up a really good point with that. This might not only be a season in which he needs to get a ring, it could be a season where he needs to prove that he's still capable of being the boogie cousins that you want to give big money to. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has he's had flashes of, of who he was as a player this season. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think there's enough sample size to where if you're a team to invest, I mean, if he came back next year, 
was a was a big part of of what Golden State's going to try to do. Durant might not be there next year. All signs are pointing he's going to exit. Um, and, and if he came in and and Golden State was again competitive and in the talk, and he was healthy a, a full year, then you're talking about okay, a team might be more willing to, you know, maybe not give him a max deal or anything like that, but at least a a big deal, you know, with a certain amount of money, a, a bigger amount of money than what he would get right now. And I do think you're right. I think Golden State is going to bounce back, win tonight, and I don't think it's going to be close. No, I mean, obviously the, the team, after going through the playoffs so many times, going through the grind, it, it is a grind. Um, and then, you know, there's been some turmoil. Obviously when you're with a group of, of, of people for so long, there's going to be a little bit of arguing and things like that. Um, but I think that loss, the way it happened, was kind of embarrassing for a team who's, you know, multi-champions. Who's won the, the title uh, several times? I think that that was embarrassing, and I think they want to prove a point. Like this, we're we're still here. We're still a dominant team. I think everyone's going to come out focused and and ready to show, um, you know, the potential that we know they are, and that's a very dominant team. The Clippers are a scrappy group, you know. And Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the NBA. You knew they would be a tough out. You know, they weren't going to really challenge Golden State, but you know, they'd be pesky. Uh, Golden State's already dropped a game to them at Oracle. They likely will get the Rockets in the second round, and they have dominated a much better Utah team. How much doubt do you think is in Warriors fans' minds that you know maybe they're not even going to get out of the second round of the playoffs this year? To be honest with you, I don't think Warrior fans think that that team can ever actually lose. <laughs> they're so used to them winning. I don't think they think it's even possible. It, it might not even hit them until some team does dethrone the Warriors. Um, you know, if you're Houston, I know you're not really trying to be focused on what else is going on, but you know, you're loving any time the Clippers can extend that series, you know, you're, you're hoping that continues. Um, like I said, uh, last week, you, you want these early series it, you, you're hoping that the Warriors go five, six, seven games in all these series to just kind of wear them down a little bit. So then when the finals do come around or the Western conference finals, you have a little bit better chance because you know they're a little bit more worn down, exerted a lot more energy, and and things like that. But if the Houston Rockets want to do it, I feel like this is the year, man. You you got some some locker room issues, Boogie going down, obviously the thirty one point um, comeback. I think this this could be the the year that it could happen, if if anything. And if not this year, then obviously I think next year you get a better shot as well if Durant leaves. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant from Local 3 in studio with me. Appreciate you as always. Got anything you want to plug that you're uh, doing over there at Local 3 here in the last minute? Just tune in to Local 3 Monday through Friday, 6 and 11. Come, come hang out with me. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. We're back on tomorrow for Eastern 3 Central on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.